you know, I was just thinking. What were you thinking? I grew up. I was the height of the um... Western civilization. <laughs> Uh huh. And I remember rushing to get home so I could see the splashdown. Or rushing to get home to get the latest news about the space and spaceship. Uh huh. I just don't wonder if you had the same wonder about space exploration when you go on it. Well, I'm a little bit because we had um, the movie Apollo 13. Yeah, but I remember. I think that it re uh, renewed some interest from people my age. Because we would watch um, during lunchtime. Or those bringing TVs into the classroom to watch Apollo being launched to go to the moon. I think people were wondering when we were going to go back. Talking about going back. Honestly, they should wait until it's <coughs> cost effective. Let private industry do it. Well, you got Jeff Bezos who took William Shatner into space. Yeah. But I mean, you know, it's uh, the moon. They say the moon has enough oxygen stored solidly and enough uh, water that he could support a, a colony today. Just a matter of getting it, getting it. I think they want to put a, uh, <coughs> what, a satellite or a telescope on the other side of the moon? Oh yeah? Yeah. That would be, be awesome. Can you imagine? Yeah, because they wouldn't have any of the interference. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> wouldn't have the distortion. Yeah. From I the mean, atmosphere. I really think they need to explore more. You know, there's a lot of mysteries probably up there that they don't know about. Because there's some poor soul in Alpha Centauri doesn't realize he's under UN control. Yeah. He's, he, he had no say in the matter whatsoever. Yeah. He's just, you know, going about his business, farming Ganipkinops or whatever he is <laughs> on his planet. But unfortunately, the military is got a lot of say in what's going on up there. Yeah, because they're worried somebody's going to put spy satellite or a weapon of mass destruction up there or something. For all we know, they already have one up there. But it's just a way to keep people from escaping. You know, I mean, a thousand years ago, if you wanted to go out to the wilderness somewhere and live away from governments and... You could do it. You could do it. You know, how they always say, if you don't like it, you can leave, but it's like, where are you going to leave to? Every place is already claimed by some government somewhere. 
There's no there's no Wild West anymore. Well, like I said the other day, one time I told someone I said you know the reason why people are going ballistic these days because back in the old days they got pissed off they could go out and take an axe and chop wood all day. Yeah. Now they don't have that. When you go out and chop wood, you're, you're infringing on some national park territory. And yep, you have a permit for that. Do you have a, a this or that? Yeah. You know, it is what it is. But but yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate. I read a really good novel a couple of years ago. The, the guy who wrote. Um, what was that movie the guy got stuck on Mars? The Martian? The Martian. Yeah, yeah. He wrote a book called Ares. Mm. About a colony on, on, on the moon. That, um... That, uh... Some poor 19-year-old got caught up in a conspiracy to hijack all the oxygen. I think I heard about this. So was somebody who worked at like a hotel? No, it wasn't a hotel. <clears throat> it was a freelance. She, <laughs> she would... She would um, right, but she was working at a, a service job and she was she was offered this spy job or whatever, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, I think I heard about this. Yeah, I mean... Really a good... Um, I really like that. That was a really good book. I was like, man, I wish I could find the Martian and watch it again. <clears throat> yeah. Seems like all the good movies are not available for streaming. you do that I'll let you pick the choice of four. Let's uh Oh, good. Mom's gonna have a, a Bubba burger. Katie have one. Yeah. That's probably all we're gonna have is just the burgers and the hot dogs. That's a good idea. I think. Mom doesn't really want to cook veggies. What good are vegetables anyway? Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> they didn't help me grow any more than five, six. <laughs> it seems like there's a lot of uh, 
talk about uh, splitting the country up these days. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Texas going off on its own? It's certainly big enough. Oh, so Be what, a top ten economy by itself? We saw how that, well, that worked when uh, they had that power crisis back in uh, December. Yeah, but everybody's, I mean... <clears throat> People have, Chile had a bad earthquake, what, a couple of years ago, or earlier this year, whatever it was. Nobody says Chile should join other South American countries. Freak accidents happen. Well, maybe, maybe the way of the future is not governments anymore, but private companies running things. Maybe, but I mean, there's nothing... Uh, specific to the United States that requires it to be one country. I mean, just happened that way by accident. Well, not accident, but on purpose. But a rise, couple of... Rise of the nation state. Maybe, uh... Maybe the natural revolution is the rise of, rise of the corporate state. Hmm, maybe. It's interesting how, <clears throat> you know, um, I was reading Portugal, pretty much it, it requires either to enter Portugal, you need to either have a vaccine proof or a negative test. And then you have to wear a mask on public transport, but most of the other places it's mask free. <coughs> no vaccine requirements to walk around or whatever. So it's like, why is it that other countries feel like this is pretty much under control, but the U.S. is like, hey, we got to mandate this and that? I don't know. I'm that uh, the pharmaceutical companies are trying to figure out how to make money off this vaccine. It could be, but you would have thought they would have figured that out with the flu vaccine a long time ago. You know, the flu vaccine's been around a lot longer, and they haven't really been able to mandate that. it was supposed to be this uh, windy today.
It's interesting. I got, um, when I was at the Duty Free, I got a uh, special edition uh, Jameson you can't get anywhere else except airports. It's a triple, triple cast, triple distilled, called Triple Triple. <coughs> I have it in a, in a box downstairs, so maybe when I come back, we can uh, dip into it, see what it tastes okay. like. It was a, a liter for like 38 bucks, I think. Which is, yeah, which is cheaper than the regular uh, Jameson here in, in the States. I think a liter would be like 40, 40 bucks or 45 bucks, I think, here at the, the store. Yeah. You were about to say something? It's interesting that two to three stores you can't buy, if you're a domestic traveler, you can't buy um, anything? You can't buy cigarettes or you can't buy booze. Mm -hmm. But you can buy everything else. From duty free? Yeah. I've only gone to duty free as an international traveler, yeah. so I didn't know. It's funny, in, in Turkey, at the duty-free, the prices were in uh, euros. Yeah? Yeah, because uh, I got a little bit excited when uh, I saw the prices. I was like, is this in liras? Because uh, if it was in liras, it would have been like five bucks. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'd be like, let me buy six. <laughs> but it was American dollars. Huh? No, it was euros. Euros? Yeah. Euros is more than dollar right yeah slightly but um but i found that interesting that you know the the country is i guess they i don't know why they had it in euros because the duty free here at dulles is in dollars right yeah yeah i don't know why they chose why they didn't do local currency And the other interesting thing too is you could buy beer and wine and I think you could buy like a, a cocktail or a shot or something and I think they let you take it with you. Oh yeah? Yeah. So you could drink while waiting for your plane.
guess they don't have issues with public drunkenness. Yeah, because I think they drink more responsibly in Europe. Maybe. I mean, they... Here in the United States, they, they tend to drink until they can't drink anymore. Well, I don't know. England, they tend to drink a lot, too. Oh, Russia, for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They've got a real problem. Well, speaking of the uh, downfall of Western civilization, someone was asking when, when, when you could trace it back to. And I was thinking probably the, uh, who, who you can blame it on, probably the doctors who were treating Frederick II told, saying, him, yeah. told him it wasn't cancer and don't worry about it, just uh, you know, gargle some salt water and uh, <laughs> the big lump in your neck will go away. Maybe if he had actually gotten treated, uh, yeah. he wouldn't have died, and then we would all be spared uh, Willem II. That's true. Today. Civil War? Civil War, World War One. Well, not so much World War II, except uh, the competition between Russia and the... Yeah, but would that have even happened if World War I didn't happen? No, it wouldn't. Competition probably be between somebody else. The, um... There was a theory a couple of years ago, a guy wrote a book. We talked about Japan. They engineered the World War II because they knew that they'd be destroyed and then the, the West would come to its rescue and rebuild it and give it fresh new factories, fresh... That's why Japan descended after World War II. They they had all new stuff, new factories, new mm. steel producing stuff. Whereas in the West, like the United States, they still had the same old equipment. I suppose, but still did pretty well. Yeah. All things considered. We were, um... We were king of the hill. There was no one, no one left after everything got wiped out. Yeah. I mean, even so, I think that, <coughs> you know, I know a lot's been made. Probably best to pinch it between, if you're going to put it there, just put it between these two. That way it doesn't blow around. But, um... United States, you know, I was thinking, the United States had never had to pick up the Civil War in the South. But we never were completely wiped out with war. That's yeah, true. 
except the Native Americans. By a mistake. Well, yeah, well, I don't think it was oops. Well, we no, accidentally I mean, dropped him on, on London. Britain was pretty much on the ropes. Right. And then he changed the, the tactics to, to bombing the, the civilian targets. Right. And he just kept with. Tactic, tactical error. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And, um, and since he switched over to. The civilian targets. Uh huh. Gave the Air Force yeah. a chance to breathe. No. To recover. But then, the, the general who was uh, in charge of uh, the Royal Air Force said, You know what? He said, You know what? Civilians. Are part of combat because they they build all the weapons of not of war, so they're just a, a legitimate target to because they're an instrument of production of war. So we'll just go ahead and firebomb Dresden, level it, and we'll go after. And and it's been a propaganda boon for neo Nazis ever since. Yeah. Yeah, Dresden was, and then he realized also that when they, the British were bombing, they tried to do precision bombing, they were missing the target by 30, 40 miles. Mm. They were like, we'll just carpet bomb, we'll just go in and just drop it wherever. Wherever. Yeah. The carpet bomb will wipe out everything. Maybe we'll get our target then. Yeah. I think World War II was the first war where, well, World War One, Two, but World War Two was the first where there's no dividing line between civilians and combatants. Yeah, I mean the Civil War was a little bit like that too. Yeah. If you think about it, the American Revolution was really America's first civil war. Yeah, in a lot, in a lot, a lot of ways, yeah. yeah. <coughs> that's never talked about in schools. Of course. Because there's, oh yeah, we were all against England. Yeah, nor is the ethics of uh, secession. Yeah. You know? And a lot of people, unfortunately, conflate the realities of the Civil War and the slavery and they conflate that with the modern concept of the idea of, you know, 
uh, a region leaving its parent state. Slavery would have been probably been gotten done away with because of the economics. Yeah, maybe. I mean, who, who who knows? But I mean, I think the reality is you're talking about the ethics of, you know, harming people who had nothing to do with slavery. And uh, the idea that if somebody doesn't want to be part of your country, what are the ethics of forcing them to, to be so by force? You, know, you, would, you wouldn't accept it in their personal relationships. You know, if a husband forces his wife to stay with him when she decides she wants to divorce him, people would be like, that guy's a monster. He's an abusive uh, spouse and would take the, the wife's side. But when it comes to, you know, the state. Well, let me ask you this. Southern heritage. Uh-huh. I hear that bandied about a lot. We're proud of our Southern heritage. What exactly are they talking about? Uh, talking about hush puppies and grits and uh, the, the white gravy cuisine? and... Huh? Cuisine? Uh, that and you know NASCAR and Honor. country music and Honor. yeah and you know the 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 whole you know Southern hospitality and that sort of stuff. I think that's what largely people are thinking about when they think of Southern culture, Southern heritage. I think that's largely what they're thinking of. You know that there is whitewashing that goes along with it because they do, a lot of people ignore the fact that there's a lot of people held in bondage but the fact that they whitewash their history doesn't mean that you know, the northern legacy should be whitewashed either, you know, I mean that the fact of the matter is that slavery was sort of technically quote unquote abolished except for the prison system, except for the draft, conscription. Well, There's more people in bondage today than there were in 1860. I think, um, I think you and I talked about the draft. I think the draft, of the, the concept of the draft was viewed differently back in World War One, World War Two, than it is today. Well, except for the people who went to jail for refusing to be drafted. Yeah. You know, except for the the poor guy that encouraged people to to resist the draft and ended up getting convicted, and led to the infamous uh, screaming fire in a crowded theater nonsense that has since been over. You know, that precedent was since overturned. Shouting fire in a crowded theater. Yeah, the whole that that idea that you can't shout fire in a in a crowded theater came from a case in during World War One where somebody was encouraging people to resist being drafted, and so he was, you know, the the he argued that it was his free speech to do that, and the government argued that it was a you know it was threatening the well-being of the republic and all this stuff. I thought it was uh, an actual case of a guy that was funny that screamed fire in a movie theater. No, no. And it was since overturned, I think, in the 1970s, I think. 
I recall correctly. In another case, it was overturned, and that is no longer the precedent. But people stuck with people, and they, you know, whenever somebody says, "Oh, you know, your free speech is not unlimited," and they say, you know, people like Snowden and Assange don't have free speech rights to say whatever they want because it's a threat to national security or whatever the case might be. Well, like you said, if you want to hide something, you just say, hey, national security. Well, some of the real fucked up stuff is that people want to charge Assange with the Espionage Act, you know, as if he was a person who had duty to the U.S. government. Right? Like, as, as fucked up as it would be to argue that a U.S. citizen has a right or has a responsibility not to, has a, has a loyalty to the U.S. government and can't, shouldn't be traitor, traitor to it. It's kind of weird to argue that a foreigner would have that same oath of fealty. Well, he's, what, what nationality is he? I think he's Swiss, Swiss or Swedish, something like that. But they didn't nail him for that, they nailed him for... Uh... Yeah, of course, but there, I'm just saying there are people who wanted to charge him with the espionage act. I mean, he wouldn't be. How, why would he be subject to it? Because he's not an American national. Right. I mean, it's bad enough as it would be to hold U.S. citizens to that. Now, what about John Snow? No. <laughs> I was going to say John Snow, or which one? The guy who tried to uh, tried to say that. Uh, germs in the water in, in Britain were causing cholera, or the one that from Game of Thrones? Snowden. John Snowden. Edward Snowden? Oh, Edward Snowden. Yeah. Well, people claim that, you know, he's a Putin puppet and all this stuff because they neglect to remember, or they purposely are obscuring the fact the only reason he's in Russia is because he, his passport was revoked. And he couldn't go anywhere else. The guy wanted to go to, uh, what was it, uh, Costa Rica or whatever it was. Not Costa Rica, some somewhere. Equ Ecuador. Yeah, he wanted to go to Ecuador. But they pulled his passport didn't let him go. But he was in Russia that, at that time. He was in Russia, uh, you know, waiting for his flight to Ecuador. If they were smart, they could have pulled... Uh a Ukrainian, not Ukrainian. The guy who was, uh, fight was devoted recently. It wasn't Ukraine, it was, uh... Yeah, I vaguely know what you're talking about, but I don't remember the specifics of it. But either way, no, if they were smart, they would have said, hey, you know what? Who's Lutchenko president of? Ukraine, right? Ukraine, right? Not Ukraine. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Ukraine. I think so. But either way, the point the point is is that, you know, he was exposing wrongdoing by the US government. And you know, that if if Obama who claimed to want to have the most transparent government in history should have been like, hey, you know, most of this stuff was stuff I inherited from Bush. It's Bush's problem, you know, just let the guy be. It wouldn't be a story anymore. Well, you know, um, I had a train of thought with this. You know, and of course, the reality of it is nothing changed. 
he revealed all this stuff and everything just kept going. Well, Jimmy Carter ran, he said, I'll, I'll be honest with everybody, I'll never tell a lie. And everybody's like, really? Well, someone runs on, someone runs on, a, on a platform that will have a transparent government, they're like, yeah, right. It's transparent, I'll, I'll, I'll release everybody else's secrets. Yeah. Secret, God help if it, uh, God help if you're a secret. Exactly. <laughs> Nobody wants to reveal their own secrets. But, you know, it is what it is, but a lot of, uh, fucked up shit, which is why, you know, I think it's so important to oppose, you know, vaccine mandates. Not regardless of whether you think the vaccines work, don't work, COVID is a hoax, not a hoax, whatever. The reality is, I mean, the next president could be Ron DeSantis. The next president could be, you know, Glenn Youngkin, for all you know, right? So what if that guy decides, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna outlaw vaccines, and I'm gonna mandate ivermectin or hydrochloroquine as the COVID, COVID drug of choice, and you must take it. If you have COVID, well, you know, not um, that I mean they may or may not do that, but I mean, who, what's to stop them? If if you say, hey, you know, this this is a pandemic, we're just going to throw civil liberties out the window. Well, you know, there's a case in South Dakota where supposedly the governor of South Dakota sent police in to make them give this patient ivermectin. Ivermectin? Yeah. Yeah. I mean. And the doctor's like, I'm not giving that medicine. Right. I don't care who wants it. I'm not. I'm not giving it. Right. But this is the reality. Like, if you don't, if you think that you know, it's a pandemic, we got to throw everything out the window, then you got to acknowledge that at some point, the person you don't like is going to be in charge, and he's going to he's going to mandate things you don't like. Well. You know, I mean, he's already DeSantis, right? He's already, you know, saying that there's no, you know, there's no mandates in Florida. Employers can't do this, can't do that. And businesses are leaving Florida. Some, some are coming because they like that idea. But the point is, is that why would you want that to be universal? Why not say, look, if a company wants to mandate vaccines as a condition of employment, Okay, that's their that's their decision. Um, but you know we're not going to require you to do that. That's got to be your decision based on your own cost benefit analysis, your own feelings of corporate responsibility, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that's why I'm, I'm thinking myself. Maybe the future is not nation states, but corporate states. I mean, I don't know that I would say a corporation can be a state. Unless you have the, the what makes a state a state is they have a monopoly on the use of violence. So, you know, if, if a corporation doesn't have that monopoly, they can't be a state. 
all they can do is require what they want on their own on their own property <coughs> so if they want you to you know do this or do that that's that's their decision my guess is if it wasn't mandated by the government that there probably wouldn't be that kind of mandate in place for most companies that would be my guess maybe some medical professions some hospitals medical facilities may require vaccination as they did before covid they mandated stuff like flu vaccines and mmr and all this stuff you know many of them did that already i don't see the problem of just saying hey that's your decision you got to make your own decision about what you want to do When you centralize it, you end up centralizing both the good decisions and the bad decisions. And you got to be willing to live with that. Because if they get it wrong, and everybody's got it wrong. There was a, a story that came out. It was a, it was a, it was a short story. But it came out in the 70s when they were talking about the spine flu, or whatever flu that was, they were getting people to vaccinate against. Yeah. And um, the story uh, was, there was uh, we were from out of, out of space. With, um, You've told me this before. Yeah. You said we have a vaccination for a disease and it just wipes out everybody. Yeah. Because, because we are the disease. We are the disease. Right. I mean, that's, and I'm sure a lot of conspiracy theorists would agree with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, I just, I don't buy into, and I know this is controversial among the circles that I run in, because you know a lot of people that you know I follow on Twitter and social media, they they tend to buy into a lot of the conspiracies that you know this is an experimental vaccine, it's leading to health problems, it's more dangerous than COVID. I don't necessarily buy into those. I just feel like it's not been demonstrated to me that COVID is as dangerous as they've billed it. It's not that nobody's died of COVID. It's not that COVID's not harmful to anybody. It's just that from what I can see, it's not nearly as bad as they said. Well. I mean, you know, and so for that reason, why am I going to get a vaccine for something that I don't feel is dangerous? And it's not necessarily going to stop transmission to other people. It's not necessarily going to stop me from catching it. I mean, I'm just going to take my chances if that's, you know, whatever whatever comes to it. Well, I think the fear was... Uh... Yeah, I understand the fear, but the fear is obviously proven not to be as bad as feared. You know, if you predict if you predict it's going to snow 18 inches and it only snows 4, I mean, you you can't continue to operate the rest of your day as if it snowed 18 inches because it didn't.
makes you kind of wonder. I think the fear, and I, I, I buy into this, especially in rural areas, where you have a, hot, a regional hospital that might be staffed by only maybe four doctors, and they may have maybe 10 ECU, ICU beds. Right. That they're not worried too much about the urban areas because they got plenty of resources to pull from. Yeah, but if they had said nothing, if they had said nothing and said, he, he, here's a vaccine that may prevent you from getting, may, right? It's not guaranteed, but it may prevent you from catching COVID, may prevent you from going to the ER if you get COVID. If they had just said that, take it or don't take it, how many people would have taken it? Maybe a lot more? Probably a lot more people have taken it. Instead of just shouting at anybody who expressed any kind of doubt and saying, oh, you're this, you're that, you just want grandma to die, you know, all this stuff. I mean, it's just, you know, the real tragedy to, for me, to me, is that, you know, we, we spent a year and a half shutting everything down and social distancing and all this stuff. And it's like, imagine if you were some poor soul who was diagnosed with something with six months to live back in, you know, May 2020. I mean, that last six months would have been miserable. The last six months of life would have been sucked. We would have said, just take me now. I don't want to live the next six months. I want to live the next six days. <laughs> what is that? Is that just a buzz? Yeah. It's weird. Well, but I think the other side of the equation, too, is that we're just yelling at each other now. Yeah, because everybody wants the other the other side. I mean, to be fair, the the most of the people who are against the vaccine, most of them, not all of them, but most of them, are perfectly fine if somebody wants to take the vaccine. It's just they don't want to have to take it as a condition of employment, especially if they're a remote worker. You know, where it's like, what are you? Who are you actually protecting? If somebody never sets foot in their office, who are you protecting? And then and you can say, look, if you want to step in the office, we're going to make you wear a mask and test, uh, do a PCR test, you know, 48 hours before stepping in. I mean, life is not ever going to be risk-free. We're never going to get to COVID zero, right? You're never going to get to zero anything, pneumonia, polio, anything. There's always going to be some case somewhere. And the idea that you're going to eliminate all the risks from the world is just nonsense. So you have to be willing to say, okay, you know, there's a certain level of risk we're willing to accept and a certain level of risk we're not willing to accept and just go from there. You know, I think Michael Crichton touched that on in his book, State of Fear, where governments use fear as a way to control people. Well, they did that during 9-11 yeah. afterwards. And so... We all yeah. have to take our shoes off now because, you know, we, we can't... Instead of just saying, look, we're just going to reinforce the pilot doors... And, um, you know, x-ray everybody's luggage, make sure they're not uh, carrying a bomb. Instead of doing that and having the airlines run it because they would know what level of risk they're willing to accept and not willing to accept, we decided that, you know, we got to have everybody take off their shoes and uh, be patted down, including five-year-olds, if we're going to get on a plane. I mean, you know, that's it's it's right up the playbook, and it's just you know people don't recognize it, and they just are willing to chastise anybody. Oh, you know, look at these these fuds who are just against vaccination. 
It's like, you know, it, people recognize that there's there's a danger there, and it's a danger that's going to come back to bite you if you don't be vigilant about it. Well, if you know, I, I get, I get. Um, shoot. We should finish that first because it's a different whiskey. Unless you want to mix them. I mean, some people do. They like different things and they mix them together. They, It's like mixing Coke and Diet Coke together. Yeah. Get half the calories. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I think, um, you know, I, I, I just scratched my head like the first responders. Mm-hmm. I was like, why would you not want to take the vaccine? I said, you know, I get that you're, you're controlling your own destiny, and I guess that's part of it. It's like, you know, I, I, it's my life. I can control it, but you're a first responder. You're not, you have no idea what you're getting yourself into when you go on a call. Why not? would you not want to protect yourself or your family? I don't get that. Well, they probably think that there's a risk to taking the vaccine, which there always will be for anything. Any, right. any, any medical, any so medical. Nothing is risk free. Yeah, nothing is risk free. They probably think, look, the the risk is not worth it, and the consequences of getting COVID is not really that bad for most people. And in addition to that, let's say because not all first responders are EM, EMTs, some of them are firefighters. Somebody's house is on fire. If my house is on fire, my last concern is whether or not I'm going to catch COVID. The chances of the COVID germs uh, making it through all the ash and smoke in the house is probably very small. Um, but like EMTs or people who work in a hospital. Yeah, but, but why not let the unvaccinated EMTs treat the unvaccinated people? Because, you, because you're on an obligation to treat people no matter what right but there are ways to arrange it so that unvaccinated people are treating uh, unvaccinated people hey or if you say wake up wake i know you i know you're unconscious but do you have a vaccine are you vaccinated Uh. well maybe not an emt but nurses medical facilities you know if you're like hey i'm unvaccinated and i've got a chronic condition i don't care if the person who treats me is vaccinated or not okay they're they're willing to take that risk why why worry about we're protecting them from themselves. What if they don't want to be protected? What if they say, hey, you know what? I've got a finite amount of years on this earth. I'm willing to take the risk. I just think if, if you're a nurse or an EMT um, and, you're, you're, and you, you are serving the public, and you, it's your obligation to make sure that you're safe. That Maybe, you, but, what if, but what if your patients don't care? I don't care. I don't care about the patient. I care about me. Right, me but you and, would only go. But you, yeah, but you would go only go to a place that was. But as an emergency medical technician, okay, you never know what it should be. And your your role is serve the public, make to to to, to bring them to health care or, or just to save their life. Yeah, but we, but but you don't mandate a lot of other things. I mean, you don't know if they've got a stressful life at home. And that clouds their judgment in an emergency situation, right? Because that could happen, right? And that's risky. I'm not talking about substance abuse, but stuff you can't test for, right? Maybe they've got uh, problems in their marriage, problem with their kids, problems with that's whatever. That's different, but if you come across a person in the middle of the road who's 
obviously needs medical care. Right, but would you? Would, uh, yeah, right. But if and you're, if you're in an accident, I want myself I want myself protected so I don't get sick. And right, if but, I get sick, how can I? But why is COVID the unique thing in this? Like, there's um, any number of risks. The EMT right. who who happens upon you in a car accident, they could have they could be operating on two hours of sleep, and that's probably just as risky as them having COVID because they could make a, a lapse in judgment. But there's no way to test that. There's but, no way to say, okay. But I'm not saying, what I'm saying is, as, as an EMT person or a medical profession, right? Okay, you never know what you're going to come across. Sure. So why not protect yourself because so you, you don't, don't get think sick? It's because you don't think it's the, the risk is worth the, the benefit. You don't think that it's actually going to stop transmission. You don't think that it's actually going to stop you from catching COVID. You don't think it's actually, you know, the, that you might end up having uh, health, health problems as a result of the vaccine. Some people do, some people don't. I don't think the number of people who are concerned about it is the same number of people who would actually end up having a health problem, but that's besides the point. People have to make decisions on their own individual level um, about what they think that their chances of getting a, a negative side effect are. Well, I and, just... and it's a responsible on the employers to set those, set those um, standards on their own. The em- I, there's no problem with an employer setting their own standards as... As long as it is their standards, not them being dictated to by the government. So, County Loudon could say to the EMT, you need to get the vaccine, you're okay with that? As an employer, yes, they have every right to say that. Well, that's the problem. Right, but the problem isn't that the, the employers are making these mandates. The problem is is that they're making that the government is making these mandates on employers. Whether at the state level or at the... Um, federal level with the new, you know, uh, mandates. Someone once said that that the, these mandates are not coded into law, but they're encoded into, like, OSHA. Right, they are. That's why there's nothing to challenge, and they, you know, have, have, have it both ways. Which is odd, because OSHA, it seems weird that OSHA would have this, the, the uh, jurisdiction over remote workers. Well, Technology is, is, is evolved faster than real life. Because before, the last time they had any regulation on on uh, home home working was 1990. Right, but even so, like that's 30 years ago. Right, things but, have changed. Right, but OSHA shouldn't have any any standards on what you do at your own home. Do you want to smoke in your kitchen? Do you want to? That's your problem. Like that, that has nothing to do with regulating the workplace. You, you, you aren't. You are creating your own work work environment. The employer is not creating that work environment for you, other than they give you the equipment that it takes to do your job. You know, if it's a work laptop or whatever. If you're not a con- contractor. So I guess the last thing, apparently. Uh, Tom Brady has said he thinks that some of the changes the NFL has done over the past 10-15 years have been detrimental to the game as far as competitiveness that the way they've made it is uh, so it's a skills competition and not a uh, and not a really a, a true a true game you know, he said it used to be you could win in multiple ways. 
you know, you could either be more talented than the other team or you could be more physical than the other team. He said it used to be, you know, he would he would avoid throwing it over the middle against guys like Ray Lewis and Troy Polamalu. Um, but now, because of the rules, he doesn't he- hesitate to just, you know, throw it over the middle, throw it in certain spots where the receiver might be vulnerable because if he gets hit, it's a penalty. Hmm. Well, so the onus is now on the defense not to hurt somebody rather than on the quarterback not to throw his receiver into a vulnerable spot. So in other words, why we just have flag football? I mean, it seems like it. And I think it's a it's an interesting point. I mean, the reason the NFL has done that is is obviously because they don't want to get sued if somebody gets a concussion or well, I think gets hurt you on get the field. You're millions of dollars for talent. You don't want, as an owner, you don't want them out for. Yeah, but they're also paying. They were paying at least that kind of money for defensive talent. But now, you know, it's like there's a couple of of defensive talent that you you want, which is you know pass rusher. And a, and a cover guy, and that's pretty much it. And then the rest of it is, you know, you're going to put the rest of your money in your offense. You're going to want to have a guy who can protect your quarterback. You want to have a quarterback, of course, and you want to have a receiver. And it just seems that um, it's all about offense. Then, you know, it doesn't seem to be exciting like it used to be. I mean, making great plays and passing, but, you know, Running backs are like, you know, what? They get two yards and that's a good carry? Well, I mean, some, some running backs can get more, but it's, you know, even even the running backs, they're, they're smaller and quicker. They have to hit the hole quick. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea of a, a big 250-pound back is, is not as common. There's maybe a few of them left, but, yeah. But, I mean, it's just interesting that, you know, the way that it's, it's developed. It's, it's a, very similar in the way that baseball is gone and, and basketball, where it's like... All offense and no defense. Well, yeah, spread the floor, hit threes. You know, where when it comes to baseball, it's what does the what does the sabermetrics say? You know, what is this guy's uh, fly ball ratio to ground ball ratio? Does it matter? You know, and, and what's this guy's walk rate? We're not going to bother stealing bases because... You know, it's not really that valuable yeah, as it used to be. Stealing bases, that is an exciting part of the game. Yeah. You steal, you steal home plate? My gosh. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Right. Nobody And nobody's hitting triples really anymore. It's all you know, home runs, walks, and doubles. You know, yeah. so let's, let's get some ground ball doubles, ground rule doubles, and, and uh, home runs. And, you know, guys who can strike out batters, but that's, you know, that's what we're looking to build the, the game around. And everything's kind of prescribed with advanced stats before the before the games are even played. So, and, and to your point, the shift, I think that's killed the game. Yeah, although it's very hard to regulate that out to say, hey, you have to put your defenders in a certain spot. You know, I, I don't know how you would regulate that out of the game. I just know that it's it has diminished the game because the strategy has changed. Yeah. yeah, there's only one way to win. You know, this is the way you win and, and if you don't do it that way you're not gonna win. I think um Yeah, I think um and this um taking the picture out, you no know, not having a designated hitter. 
taking the strategy out. Yeah, although I can imagine that's probably an economic decision too. I know if I owned a team and I was paying a, a star starting pitcher 30 million bucks a year, I wouldn't want him on the base passes. You know, potential to tear an ACL or an Achilles or twist an ankle. I, I'd want him to just focus on pitching. Don't worry about it. You know, and if I had to, you know, if it was a National League team and we didn't have DH, I would just say you're bunting every time. You're bunting, and I don't want you to even run to first base. I want you to just saunter, <laughs> just walk, because we're we're not. I'm not having you swing the bat. I'm not having. I don't care if it's two outs. We're not. I'm not having you swing the bat and get on the base pass. It's just not going to happen. So I think defensive games could be just as exciting as an offensive game. Yeah. Um, yeah, because linebackers were were like. That was the position to play, linebacker. Yeah, linebacker, even safety. But they've taken a lot of that out of the game. And, and don't, don't, don't touch the quarterback and don't. Yeah. So. Well, anyway, until next time, we'll yep. uh, adjourn for today. <laughs>